Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. We've heard lots of recession talk over the last week, and today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm going to ask our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, for his take. Will it be a hurricane or just a squall? We're also going to talk about housing inventory, jobs, and a lot more. Let's go ahead and dive in. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here, Sarah. It is a great day to talk to you. So let's talk about jobs. That came out on Friday. We are recording this on Friday. Talk about what the jobs report looks like to you. Yeah, you know, there's there's been a lot of negative things said about the U.S. economy for the last few months, and some of that has to do with the uh, negative GDP data, which a lot of that was driven by exports, and and just the overall media gloom about the economy, especially that the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index is like at all-time 21st century lows and inflation is up, but uh, some of the economic data has stayed very firm. Uh, especially real spending, industrial production, some of the manufacturing data is, is good enough for the expansion to continue. So uh, there was kind of a, a, a hope from the uh, bearish American crowd that this job report would really disappoint. Uh, uh, and um, we had seen uh, jobless claims rising for a few weeks and it's come back down. And really, it is kind of what we've talked about as the fourth recession red flag. There are certain parts of the economy that uh, uh, had an overinvestment, they have too many people working, the demand is, is, was so high during COVID, uh, and those companies are realigning themselves to a more normal traditional demand curve, which is you know durable goods spending coming down and service spending uh, kicking up. So the airlines are doing really well, but the people that bought a lot of washer and dryers or, or, or dishwashers, you know, the, that data has, has regressed back down. So, you know, with this jobs report came in at 390,000, there was very small negative revisions. It kind of puts to rest that, you know, the recession started in January or February and and we just uh, push along from there. Uh, the 10-year yield had stayed firm about uh, 2.95%. Nothing was moving too much either way. And it was just a re-firming re, uh, re up the, the majority of the data that is still showing an expansion, even though we do have four recession red flags. We're not there yet to really talk about a recession, but it was really hyped up for the last, uh, I would say, two months. And it was a really disappointing Friday for a lot of the bearish American citizens. But a happy Friday for you. I know. You're smiling. People can't see it. We're on a podcast. I literally tweeted it out. There was all these angry people that the jobs report gave it positive. <laughs> and I'm just like, these are the same people that said we were in a recession from 2009 to 2020. They talked about... COVID being a depression, they missed the recovery, and now they just... Some people always want to ice skate uphill, Sarah. It's just... It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had other good news last week, and that is um, the inventory. So this is something, obviously, one one thing you've called for is like, we need higher rates so that we get more inventory. So tell us what kind of inventory numbers we saw and whether you think that really moves the needle. So much of our work here at Housing Wire post-2020 was trying to uh, kind of relate to people, listen, guys, this this right here is an inventory crisis. What we had in the previous expansion wasn't an inventory crisis. You know, once the uh, total inventory data broke under 1.52 million, 
uh, really in 2020 and got worse in 2021 and then got really bad in early part of 2022. None of this is bullish. This is a supply-driven home price market, and we needed rates to rise. And people always fight with me on this. No, we don't need rates to rise. Yeah, we needed rates to rise. Uh, And we're starting to see the weekly inventory data start to increase on a year-over-year basis. But again, context is key. We are, we're still below kind of the range of 1.52 million and 1.93 million. And one of the things I've done recently is that I've taken 40-year charts of total inventory and just bombarded social media and even putting them into some of the articles uh, here at HousingWire just to give people some perspective that on a historical basis, we are at such low inventory when you talk about in context to the working civilian population, uh, you, you, you have the millennials, uh, Gen X, uh, baby boomers, cash buyers, investors, you put them all together and then you see that inventory in historical context going back to the 1980s, right? Back when I was seven years old. Uh, it, it's very hard for inventory to have kind of really big velocity moves up higher unless you have real demand weakness and we, uh, or you have forced credit selling. So the historical precedent was 2006 to 2011. Uh, and that is not happening. So inventory is growing. Um, it's, it's, it's the positive aspect for me in, in housing in 2022. Uh, but we still have a long way to go. And just showing people visuals out there, because what a lot of people do is they take percentage increases of inventory and it's up. And people tell me, oh, inventory is up 140%. It, we are so low on the total inventory data that we have a lot of work to do just to get back to 2019 levels. That's the key. We got to get back there. Once we're back there, I could take savagely unhealthy housing market theme off. But it is a positive that inventory is growing on a week-to-week basis, and we've crossed over on a year-over-year. My big fear uh, early on in the year, and, and why I upgraded the housing market to savagely unhealthy, was that inventory channels broke. Uh, in October of 2021, which leads you to a really bad early 2020. We see all the price gains. Case Shiller is up back-to-back uh, 20%. Uh, median price of the last NAR report is uh, uh, 15% almost. You see some of these weekly data from Realtor.com and Redfin. You're seeing medium list pricing 16 17 18%. This is all because inventory level is still low. So we have to talk and show people that we want to get from here to up here. And then we'll be okay. Regardless of what happens, as long as we're below 1.52 million, bad things happen, right? And when you think of the scale of the population of the United States of America and how low uh, mortgage rates are, boy, you get it, right? And it's not just home buying and the rental vacancies are low. So there's shelter inflation everywhere. Uh, So uh, I think I look at it much differently than other people. I want inventory to really grow to get a balanced market. And, and that's one of the reasons why specifically for this, you know, 2020 to 2024 period, I said, listen, if we if we just grow at 23% five years, think of it as a blessing and, and, and things will be all right. Well, that didn't happen. We smashed that in two years and we're, we're running at 40 to 45% uh, national home price growth within uh, two years and five months. That is not a positive. So the inventory data on the weekly side looks good, but we still need a lot more before we could really uh, change the narrative here. So, you know, you had a uh, Slack Q&A for our HW Plus members. Um, they HW Plus members get to read all your work. They get to have those special, um, you know, events that you host and that you do, and they can ask you questions directly, which is really cool. One of the things that you talked about this week on that Q&A was like the 40-year the trend. 
um, and and you had charts, of course. Um, so tell us a little bit about about forty years and why that's important. So one of the reasons why at this time I'm I'm going to show the forty year trend is that um, I think a lot of people make the mistake when they look at housing economics, they still think of a home like how stock traders look at housing. And stock traders are notoriously kind of unstable sometimes because they buy and sell like crazy. And when they sell something, there's no attachment to it, right? It's just a, the dollar amount uh, of something that you don't need. When you look at the 40-year uh, data of, of total inventory, you can see a very steady back and forth. Why? Because traditionally, a seller is a buyer, about 78%, you know, so... Uh, you don't sell your home like you sell a stock and just walk away. You have to live somewhere. So I, I thought at this time uh, where we are right now, we need to show some context so people can understand, yes, we need inventory to get back up. We're still so low. But if you look at it, you know, going back to 1982, uh, the really the only time uh, in history that we saw uh, inventory scale out of control uh, was you know the 2006 to 2011 market, which had a credit boom from 2002 to 2005, and from 2005 to eight, uh, credit stress was showing, and people were filing for foreclosures, bankruptcies. None of that's here. But I think when you go back in history and you show people how steady the inventory channels have been, you know there have been times where you see weakness and monthly supplies of above six months and pricing changes. Uh, uh, you can see why the notion of six to seven, eight million people selling their homes and being homeless or, or, or renting at a higher cost is more speculation. And, and, and I was just in a, a Twitter space room where people were starting to show that. They were saying, hey, listen, this neighbor of mine is selling and the next neighbor, I was like, no, they're not. Not not in this not in your you know historical context. The the notion of panic selling is something stock traders do because they get panicky, they get nervous, right? So they sell and just you know homeowners aren't as frantic as stock traders. So we have to realize that when you look at a historical perspective, we're so low in inventory. We want inventory to get back up to some kind of historical norm, and then we'll be okay. But as long as we're down here. You can see this. It is so evident how bad the inventory data is, even, even still today. And increases are a positive, not a negative. Uh, we have to get a, we have to get out of this uh, under 1.52 million. And I think a lot of people, when they see that, they go, oh, wow, you're right. Inventory, yeah, four decades of it. And I was like pleading this in the Twitter spaces. All you have to do is read. Reading <laughs> is a good thing. It is not a bad thing. See, if you don't read, you don't know. So people make analogies that don't actually work with uh, current uh, uh, day economics. So we we like to backtest and show things. And I think at this point uh, where we are in the economic and housing cycle, I think it's it's a little bit more efficient to show historical trends on total inventory so people can realize that even with 5% mortgage rates or 5.5% mortgage rates, we had a 3% increase the inventory level is nowhere even close to touching 2018 and 19 levels. And that's where we want. And even though historically that inventory data looks really low, it's that's a normal market. That's days on market over 30 days. That's what we want. And that's a good thing. What we're doing right now or what we have now is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. 
Well, and it, it's so interesting because we don't see that inventory coming online, you know, to the level that we need. We don't see it from home building. We don't see it from from this. But to your point that every seller normally, in a normal market, for normal circumstances, a seller becomes a buyer, which totally throws off the whole idea of panic selling. Where are they going to go? I mean, right now, rents are rising like crazy. It's it's not like, oh, wow, there's this great other alternative for people to do. I say this in the, in the sense that after 2008, the housing market or prostitution of housing has been to be a professional grifter and to, as a business model, you have to be doom and gloom to generate a business where people would read you. What I've seen from this group for... 11 or 12 years now is these are not actually housing people, but they're really effective professional grifters and they just make up stuff and they don't care, right? They just don't care. Um, So I think showing people a pathway and I know progression models are really boring, but they're designed to show people, okay, we, we want X to come here and we need this inventory level to get here. And then price rate of growth or pricing will cool. But we have people that, you know, say, oh, there's price cuts. I, I snapshot a Zillow, right? This is my favorite one. I, for like 11 years, this has always been my favorite one. They'll look at, they're cutting prices. Home prices have crashed. The bubble's over. Literally, historically speaking, you have 30% of the market is price cuts. Always. That's that's in a normal market. And this was supposed to be the big price cut. And we're at 22%. We're not even normal yet. So we want to try to show people what does normal look like and why it's still not normal. And when you show the total inventory data and you show the fact that rental vacancies are low and you show that uh, rents are up and why would a kind of an educated, positive cash flow American sell their homes at 30 or 40% loss, drain their wealth to go rent at a higher cost? Your wife and husband will leave you, right? Your children will hate you, okay? Uh, stock traders do this, but homeowners are different because it's shelter. You have to live somewhere. And because it's shelter, you don't have a willing seller or a needy seller unless they are forced to sell. And that's why I always say forced selling was that, you know, the housing crash. Forced bidding is the crisis now, right? We've been living in it. Nobody cares because every housing's going up, prices are up. But no, we actually lived through this crisis and we're cheering it, you know? And that's that's the disillusion uh, uh, that what we saw was a historical price growth in two and a half years that we'll never probably see again, hopefully. Uh, uh, and people were, hey, it's it's okay. No, it's not okay. Uh, and it, it all revolves around that total inventory level collapsing. And uh, trying to explain that in, so people can understand the history of housing economics. And it's really demographics, affordability, economic cycles. You know, it's not this exciting, you know, crash, boom, bust stuff that you see. So I... Um... I was thinking about, I follow um, the Sacramento appraisal blog. So Ryan Lundquist is an appraiser in Sacramento, and he does a great job of really just giving people information about what his particular market looks like. And he addressed that whole like, look, Zillow is, you know, these people are are lowering their homes. And he's like, and he, he says, you know, he does see some cooling. It's not that like, you know, he doesn't see it keep going up and up and up, but it's cooling off to like, okay, instead of having, you know, 25 offers, maybe you have five or, or 10 or whatever. But he said that whole idea is like, you also have sellers who are have unrealistic expectations. They've seen prices go up 
over the last two years. And so if they're just coming on the market now, they might be overpricing their house. Like, and, and it's more than what they would have done this time last year and the time before that. Like it's 20 or 30% more. So maybe they need to come off 10% because they were just not doing the, you know, not doing the math right. You know, one of the things I've always been concerned about with housing is that sellers are stingy. Um, you know, in the 2018 housing market, when rates got to 5%, uh, what had happened was, is that days on market really grew because sellers just refused to really cut prices. Um, what I'm hoping for in, in the future is that if demand does weaken or, or get noticeably softer, that sellers don't become stingy. They become realistic. If they need to sell, some people need to sell. I mean, there's just, they, they've got to move. Um, so, uh, there are people that just, hey, listen, we're just going to put a house in the market. If we don't get X price, we're not selling. Uh, hopefully, there's so much nested equity now that people, it wouldn't hurt them, uh, uh, you know, if they have to cut a little bit more. Um, and again, my, 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 I know my bias. My bias is I want home prices to come down so I can fit it, fit it in my model again. And it's, boy, I'm really in big trouble because I am so far off. Um, but I, I'm hoping in the future... Because you're not going to get forced credit selling. Forced credit selling now. You know, we we, we had a discussion over the weekend recently about you know, you know, it, how does credit look like? And people see these crypto mortgages or they see these cash. I said, listen, the the credit profiles of homeowners in America are so good, um, but you do have something what we call late cycle lending. Late cycle lending is you know you you lend to somebody with a very low down payment that has a very high debt to income ratio. Uh, they have less than you know one or two percent selling equity right off the bat. If if you fall into the next year of a job loss recession, that person in theory would be a forced seller, and they might not be able to uh, uh, sell without any any equity. It would be a short sale. If the market is declining in prices, it would be you know it would be something else. Um, so that is a risk. But everyone else is good. I mean, there's so much nested equity now that I'm just hoping when the time comes that we don't get stingy and we can get inventory back up because the goal is always we want to get back to 2018 and 2019 levels of inventory and then i could stop saying this is a savagely unhealthy housing market and again that's my job to kind of showcase this i figured that at this point we have to do historical total inventory data uh just to give some perspective and uh, um, so far that's that is the positive aspect uh, of housing for me is that inventory is rising. Rates went up. When rates go up, growth rate pricing cools. Uh, days on market typically grow. What we're seeing is that we're finally seeing some inventory growth year over year, but we still have a way to go to get back to normal. Normal is a good thing, right? We don't we don't want to be down here uh, below 1.52 million any more longer than we have to be. What do you call it? The boring and balanced market or something like that? Yeah, the B and B market. We want boring and balanced, right? <laughs> uh, that's that. I mean, that's kind of been my thing always. You know, uh, uh, steady. You know, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, when you see big deviations in any kind of economic data line, you know, typically they revert back to the mean. But there is a reason why, starting in October of 2020, we said, "Watch out! This is not going to be good." You know, and everybody's talking about forbearance, everything, the market's going to crash. You know, no, 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 you have to worry about the opposite thing. Uh, and even today, you know, uh, with the recent Case-Shiller Index, even though the Case-Shiller Index lags a lot, you could see that we're, we're talking about 20% growth. We're talking about 15, 20% growth in, in some of these data lines. 
we were running two, three, four, five percent in the previous expansion. Previous expansion, I never had to worry about it, right? We we had plenty of inventory. I think that was my thing in the last expansion. Everybody says there's no homes to buy. Oh, there's plenty of homes to buy. There is no inventory crisis back then, but uh, years 2020 to 2024 are different. And the big fear is we have double-digit home price gains all five years. That's not a good thing, and it's gone way higher than than my nightmare scenario. So uh, balance. We just want balance. Balance is a good thing. Balance is a good thing. You know, let's pull out a little bit just from the housing market and talk about some of those macroeconomic factors. So you referenced this a little bit earlier. There's been a lot of noise over the last week. Last week, I feel like people, you know, um, you know, went on different TV shows, uh, people who, you know, other people look to, let's, you know, Jamie Dimon's a good example. He said there's a hurricane, an economic hurricane coming. To his credit, he said, we don't know if it's going to be a small one or if it's going to be, you know, terrible. Uh, I can't remember which one, Hurricane Sandy or something he said, but um, I'd love to get your take on this because you have a recession model. We do have some recession red flags up. Talk to us about the macroeconomic headwinds that we're seeing. What does that look like to you? You know, on February 3rd in 2020, when I wrote for Housing Wire, the chaos theory, the butterfly effect, that was a hurricane. What Jamie Dimon is talking about, no. I think Jamie Dimon, like all financial people in Wall Street, they talk a lot, right? Uh, and they need to hedge some of their 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 bets. Um, uh, four of my six recession red flags are up. The last time that actually happened was in 2006. So when we think about what's the what's the hurricane, what could it be? Well, Peloton's a hurricane, right? Peloton crashed, laid off a lot of people. Uh, washer and dryer sales have crashed, right? Because they boomed. The consumer's balance sheet is is good. The inflation data is hot, but it's been hot. It's been hot in 2021. It's been hot in 2022. And we have 3.6% unemployment rate. We have a job market, and we were told that if inflation ever really took off, the economy couldn't function, and real sales and industrial production has still been rising. So when I think about this, whenever this recession happens, I think of kind of the, you know, the bullwhip effect of all the spending that was done in COVID, and we have to realign that. So I think in certain sectors of the economy, you know, we saw in the jobs data, retail trade jobs, negative 66,000, um, but um, everywhere else was positive. So there are certain sectors where you could see a hurricane or already have, uh, but the general economy, if the rate of growth and inflation can cool down, I think we'll be okay. I think it'll be a traditional recession uh, outside of those few sectors. The great financial crisis was different because the great financial crisis had a consumer debt leverage. And what are we? We're a consumer-based economy. Also, population growth for prime age labor force peaked in 2007. That, to me, is still the number one story that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, and it declined. And so the economy would have been slowing anyway, uh, if, if, even if there wasn't a housing bubble. But you had credit. You had a credit deleverage that took years to do, um, you know, because we... we you know, the, the process took forever. There are there are sectors of the economy that will have a hurricane. There's other sectors that are just okay. Uh, when a recession happens, it looks... I, I think of right now the mild recession that we had after the tech burst. Uh, we lost two and a half million jobs. 
uh, after the uh, uh, technology bubble. Is this like the dot com bubble of the yeah, early dot com okay. bubble? Yeah, the the early dot com bubble. So the, on, on a general economic stance, uh, it wasn't that detrimental, but to that sector, it was. So I'm sure tech feels like they're in a recession right now. A lot of those stocks were trading 70 to 80 percent over their 200 moving day average, which is never a good thing, and they've all crashed. And that's that was the overinvestment uh, right now. So uh, to that sector, it probably seems like a recession. To everyone else, it's just okay. So uh, each cycle is very unique and it's different, and you add variables that you know nothing is easy after 2020. So the Russian invasion, the China lockdowns, you know. We're used to it by now. Something's going to happen, you know. Uh, so you just have to adjust to those. You know, uh, does China invade Taiwan? You know, uh, are there other geopolitical risks? Does Russia escalate the war? Yes. Those are things you are mindful of in the future. But right now, what you want to see is supply increase, the rate of growth of inflation falls. That'll be a positive. It'll work itself out. The sectors that were booming in demand or coming back down, they've laid off people. But not like I don't see what we had during the financial crisis where we had a credit risk uh, for consumers, right? Uh, there are certain businesses that can't fund their business anymore. Those companies are at risk. Uh, uh, but in terms of the general population, uh, the consumer is still uh, moving along. Uh, and is, uh, we'll, we'll see credit stress in the data pick up. And when it does, it'll be more evident. But as of right now, there's a reason why unemployment rates are at 3.6%. There's a reason why uh, retail sales are still positive and uh, the economy is moving along. But again, I'm mindful of everything because the last time I had four of my six recession flags up, it was 2006. And the other two came in 2006 as well. So uh, different cycle, different things, different hurricanes, different storms. Different slow dances, different fast dances. We'll see. We will see. Well, I love that. What are you looking at this week? Uh, what what data is coming out this week that's important to you? Well, for, as always, the weekly uh, data on how the inventory is looking up, up, up is positive in my mind. Uh, we we want to get back to normal. We want supply to increase everywhere, everything. We want more supply so we could get uh, off of this inflationary pressure. But I think it's a, it's a good time to kind of maybe discuss, you know, uh, when will home prices fall, right? Uh, uh, home prices don't go up forever. And I think trying to create a model off of something like this, where you had like unbelievable historical home price growth. Uh, and again, I, I always try to emphasize to people that this is a supply-driven inflation story. It's not a demand-driven. I mean, we talked about purchase application data being at 2009 levels. Uh, the new home sales report is back to 1996. There is no FOMO market. A lot of people do that marketing thing. Uh, FOMO was the 2002 to 2005 market. Uh, so there's different dynamics here. You know, the monthly supply for new homes got up to nine months and people are like, oh, here it is. And then they're like, oh, no, six months of that is homes that haven't even started. What? Yeah, it's only 0 0.8 months that are completed. What? See, reading is a good thing, people. So I always say there's a rule of thumb. We don't talk about Fight Club and we don't talk about the new home sales report on the supply. <laughs> I literally, I, this is, I, I tweet this all the time so people can understand the, ex, the new home sales market is at nine, point, uh, nine months. That's the existing is 2.2 months, 
I wish that we had that that much supply. The home prices would, would calm down, but they're two different things. And then the, there's a lot of drama with completions in the new home sales market. That's different. And then we have a lot of production of multifamily construction. Hopefully they come online and alleviate the rent inflation, which I do think the rate of growth of rent inflation is starting to peak as well. That's a positive. Uh, uh, less inflation is better. Well, our readers can look for that. Uh, the further writing that you're going to do, maybe on, you know, where is the top of, of home price appreciation? Have we seen that? What does that look like? Um, but as always, Logan, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for educating us and telling us what you see here as far as hurricanes or whatever, you know, squalls, whatever they're going to end up being. But we appreciate you a lot. Pleasure. I, I love being here every Monday. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.